Hey, welcome to the Runaways Podcast. My name is Cody. Today we're going to be talking about KO. We're going to talk about what deck you should be bringing to the Battle Heart in Cincinnati, as well as the Azalea problem. Is it solvable? Is it a problem? We'll find out. Uh, but today I am joined with Pat, Dan, and Lucas. Uh, we are back after all of the long holidays, ready to go. We are, what, two weeks away from basically everything going into overdrive for Flesh and Blood? Um, so it's kind of like the little bit of lull right before we get everything. Um, and then it's just going to be a whirlwind of pro tour practice, figure out new sets, figuring out new decks, and then just tournaments, tournaments, tournaments. So, uh, this is like the last little break we get, and then it's all steams ahead. So how's everyone doing? The next doing? one is in August, pretty much. The next break. Yeah. Everything's piled yeah, at the beginning August. of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I gave uh, I gave my girlfriend all of the dates. I said, "Here's all the yep. dates. I'm unavailable. Uh, the first half of the year is going to be pretty hectic, and then <laughs> you get me for three months after that." So uh, <laughs> you got to give everyone the warnings. Cool. Let's dive in quickly here because we do have a lot to cover. So let's talk about Ko. Unfortunately, this came out a day after we did the podcast uh, last time. But Ko comes out. For people who don't know, Ko is missing an arm, so he has a singular arm. Uh, so you only have one weapon zone, so you can't use two-handed weapons. Apparently, he's not strong enough to lift two-handed weapons. Uh, but his effect is attack actions you own get plus one attack while they are in any zone other than the combat chain. And the first time you discard a card with six or more during each of your action phases, create a <laughs> might token. So what do we think? What do we think of KO so far? Uh, I can start this one off. Um I think Kano, 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 Kano with a Y is pretty sweet. Um, I mean, the first thing that you notice is that you can only play one claw. Um, potentially, there's another new weapon in the set, but uh, with a lot of the token numbers and things that people have been seeing, it's most likely that just a claw. Um, the things that stand out to me first about Kao are you get to play things like Berserk, uh, Pulping, Wild Ride. Those get a lot better because you can play a billion blue sixes, things like Smash Instinct, uh, Barraging Bighorn, all of these seven six fives, they're now six seven eights. Uh, so your wild rides always hit, your pulpings always hit. You can play a deck in theory with like three Berserk and three Blood Rush. The rest of your deck can be sixes, and you can still have, you know, 18, 20 blues if you want them, uh, or even more. Uh, also, obviously, his hero gives you plus one damage a turn if you are discarding. Uh, which I think is kind of an underrated part of the hero ability that people are uh, a little less keen on. The first, you know, it's not one of the big flashy things. It's not one of the huge restrictions. Uh, but plus one damage turn, as we saw with something like Ira, for example, uh, can be incredibly powerful if you're playing, you know, a six, seven turn game. Um, in addition to having a hero where your consistency is much increased. Uh, we've already seen in the past some aggressive Reinar decks playing a lot of Pulpings and Wild Rides, abusing Mandible Claws, abusing Blood Rush Bellows, uh, as well as a couple Berserk combo decks. Uh, floating around, but now we kind of get this hero that naturally incorporates all of these things together um, and can do some really, really powerful stuff. Um, you know, you can play like six pulpings and six wild rides and blood rushes and berserks and just go ham. And bear fangs is always a two for eight and makes a, a might a lot of the time. And you have all these really powerful synergies. Um, and being able to play blues, it just adds so much. Uh, right, because that was the past with in the past, Brutes, uh, specifically Reinar, has had a little bit of a, a struggle with his resources uh, because not only are the blue cards so weak, uh, you know, playing things like blue pack hunt and, and garbage like that, um, but they are also 
not six power, so they decrease your consistency. But now you can have a brute deck with 20 blue sixes, uh, and so your cost curve of two cost go again card into Mandible Claw into powerful two cost attack like Swing Big or Bear Fangs really starts to get impressive, uh, especially if you're making a Might token every turn, right? You can be looking at, you know, like uh, three card 15s every turn consistently uh, in a, a class that also has these powerful explosive turns with things like Berserk and Blood Rush Bellow. Um, and yeah, he's just a really cool hero, really interesting. Looks like the aggressive brute in the set. Reinar will probably be more defensive and, you know, value-oriented with some powerful Intimidates. But uh, KO just raw and smash face and such. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say that his ability is very interesting. Uh, the, the first thing that obviously stands out is the loss of a weapon slot. As a fatigue player, that makes me very worried about the end of the hero going any any sort of long game uh, because you gain access to all these blues. Like blue, you know, reincarnate is one that I think is going to be a big deal. Like that one is a very nice one to have discard it at random and then stick to the bottom. Um, but like... If you don't have a good weapon, like your chances of going long are kind of tough. So I don't know if his ability generates enough value to, you know, fight a hero that is trying to fatigue you. Um, but the the plus one damage a turn that you're getting is also offset by the fact that you're lose negging your negging yourself a card. So um, I I don't know I, I'm I'm positive you know trying to be positive about the hero but to me i'm i'm worried that he's going to flay a little bit um berserk is a very cool thing i, I think that that you know that one i i would love to see that one work if, if you could build some sort of otk style deck and we have a new hero that can kind of one turn kill somebody um and maybe this hero can do it better but um, again one of the things that you usually had on those turns were you know like blood rush and claws and, and things like that. So I don't know. I, I would love to see a new weapon. Hopefully there's a weapon that is a one handed weapon that makes it a little bit, you know, better at going long. That's, that's what I'm hoping to see for this hero. So. Dan. I'm just happy to see my boy KO make it to CC. Um, <laughs> yes. I've been a very avid KO enjoyer since crew limited. I remember playing, we did like a team sealed event for that where you got like crew plus the first three sets or the first two sets um and i slammed ko and i like otk'd everyone and it was so much fun um but yeah i'm super happy to see him be a cc hero i'm even more happy that he has a new ability because the old ability has no place in cc sorry mm -hmm. ko um yeah no he seems cool like we have a by far the most consistent brute if you want to build it that way and brute's kind of been inherently very inconsistent in the past so I think if he is strong, he might be problematic. Like, and I kind of hope that's the case because I want to play KO. Um, I think the weapon's fine though. Like, it's it's just Emberblade at home. No, yeah. it's three go again for two. He's I mean, got to work for not, it. It's not always go again. Like like Fies go again. Like Fies go again is much more easy to. Turn I think you could build it to be though against fatigue. Yeah, I think maybe I think it'll. We have to see how many cards in this set discard and get go again. Like uh, the the beat chest mechanic, yeah. um, that one's interesting. Like any mm -hmm. cards that like, presumably there will be a beat chest go again card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, oh, we already have. Yeah, the, the new two cost six go again. Yeah, yeah. Just discard a card. 
Seems um, super good. Too. In addition to you know mm-hmm. potentially like six wild rides and some number of pulpings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm always afraid of pulping in those type of decks, just just getting stuffed and just losing your turn. But um, yeah, I I don't but, that one as much. But. Yeah, but wild ride is, I mean, it you know has the same problem as you know some of the other cards, but you know. So another another interesting thing is that you get to play ready to roll, so you can uh, you can make your scab skins better uh, yeah. mm-hmm. as yeah. well, and uh, you can rolling thunder. I know Yuanji is a big fan of that card, rolling thunder. Uh, yeah. So maybe we can combo those together and make some. Yeah, you can also two card also play, sixes. <laughs> yeah. You can also play tear limb from limb as like a kind of like pulping wild ride seven through nine like at red um that card basically is just like two for sure. with go again but it's a blue and uh it doesn't have the pulping downside of being bad obviously it's another card in your deck that's not a six power so if you're looking for something like berserk it makes it a lot worse it's also another card that doesn't block which if you're a brute player that's happy that you have more sixes i i hope you don't mind cards not blocking because Oh boy, this deck does not look like it wants to block. Yeah, that might be okay if its numbers are good enough. Mm -hmm. It might just be a Berserk Mm -hmm. deck at heart. Uh, What I really like about it is I think this hero design is very smart. I really like that they are fixing some of the brute issues with not having enough like blue sixes, Mm -hmm. for example, without actually making any more blue sixes. They just are like, here, this hero is more consistent by giving things... Uh, plus one. You can also play like non brute cards mm-hmm. now, and they're also sixes. Bingo. Uh, but you didn't just like you didn't just like print like a a rabble that has six power now, right? Like that's brute yeah. card. You yeah. just made it so that you can now play rabble in your deck. I really think this is very intelligent design by the creators on how they design KO. That's yeah. what I really like about it. Whether sure. it's good or not, it really should be. Like it, it seems like it, it should be playable in any. Mm-hmm. Is it top tier? That's we have to have to see more cards, yeah. in my opinion. We we also talked we, we didn't really discuss this, but one thing a lot of people online have been talking about especially is you get to play there's like three main cards, but there's like a lot of options, kinda like how you note, noted you get to play some generics, but you can play Zealous Belting, uh and Enlightened Strike, and they don't decrease your consistency. Uh and you can play Rouse the Ancients, and that card is a lot easier to cast uh than in the past. Because in the past you would need a red seven power card, which honestly those are not very good in addition to a resource card. And now that's just any red and any blue in your deck reveals to Rouse. So you can have some really easy Rouse the Ancients plays, and that card is pretty pretty silly. So, But then you're heading another six, you know, missed in your deck. You are, so, you are. I mean, uh, you could build it, maybe, but I, I, I don't know. I do like the, the Zealous Belting one. That one seems really easy, because, you know, mm-hmm. pitch a blue five, play yeah. a red five, and, yeah. and they're both... They're both good for your deck or everything else. Yeah, you can go like Pitch of Blues. If he's going to have trouble going wide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that deck is made in the deck building process, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That, that will be okay. a deck building puzzle and then figuring out exactly what tools you need in order to win games. Mm-hmm. Do you need to pitch stack a Berserk combo in order to win some of your matches? Maybe. Um, <laughs> Reinar used to pitch pitch stack his combo. He'd just like block and swing his weapon and do generic stuff, you know, like a three for sevens. And then he would finally hit his big turn and go off. So there is a world where it's pitch stacking a berserk is one of the win conditions for KO. Yeah, or you could get cute and just not pitch cool. stack the berserk. I'm just no, we're bringing pitch stacking back. Oh. 
Uh, Second okay. cycle's back. Anything else on KO before we move on to our next topic? Uh, I just think for ready to roll, I want to see like two consistent dice roll actions per turn before I'm considering that card. Yeah. But I think I as soon as we get two, that card's actually like kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, raw. Give it to us. Arg Smash, your favorite, your favorite card. <laughs> okay, so next, let's talk about we have Battle Hardened Cincinnati coming up. Is it? It's this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sweet. And I know we have a handful of people going from the team. Uh, Lucas, you'll be there, right? Yep. It's a Battle Hardened. Okay, cool. So let's talk about what deck you're supposed to be playing at the Battle Hardened this weekend. In your opinion, what would you bring? What do you think people should bring um, to the Battle Hardened this weekend? Lucas, if you just want to tell everyone what you're bringing, that'd be great as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but feel free to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing Bravo um, at, uh, at Cincinnati. Uh, I think there are actually a lot of really good choices uh, for this event. <laughs> uh, I'm getting some <laughs> disapproving looks from my teammates. Um, I think Bravo's a good choice. I think Leviah's a, a pretty strong choice. I think Azalea's a good choice. I think Dash, Dromai. Really, it's the same meta we had at the 20k, but nothing has kind of stood out, right? Historically, in Flesh and Blood, we'd have had some open metas, and then and they get smaller as you know more tournaments go on and more things do well, but nothing interesting has happened. Every top eight's like six to eight different heroes. Um, <clears throat> I think you can kind of just play whatever you enjoy and whatever suits your play style. Um, I think, um, most decks are, are basically just fine into everything and then trying to dodge like one or two matchups, uh, and preying on one or two matchups. I'm playing Bravo because I really enjoy playing Guardian and because I think it's really solid. Uh, and I think that the way that some people will be attacking the meta will be assuming that they're good into Bravo and will ultimately not be good into Bravo. Um... And also because I know that Brody is probably going to play Azalea. Um, and uh, I just don't want to lose to Brody. I mean, that's really, that's really it. I, I, uh, I haven't lost to him in a tournament match yet, and I'm, I'm scared. So I don't want to do it now. Okay, Are you not so, concerned he'll pivot? Uh, if he pivots... He surely has no... other decks he's ready to play if he hears this. Well, this will be released after the... <laughs> no, you can't. We are released. Oh, no, it'll, no it'll, it's going to be released before. tomorrow. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's not going to do anything. So Lucas is not winning the Battle Harden, so that's fine, unfortunately. Yeah, just, no, nobody no, can I, win with Bravo. I won the last two Battle Hardens I played in. I'm winning the third in a row. Yeah, but you but you didn't you didn't play Bravo. I didn't play Bravo. So. You played no, I did. I played so. Bravo. I played Bravo. I literally won a Battle Harden. Did you? Bravo. Yeah, Bravo. Yeah, but not the last show. two. The last two. Part of the show. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. So. Okay, maybe someone else on the team can pick up that win. Uh... Yeah, I think for me, it's the decks you should be thinking about are probably the two ninjas. Uh, I think both are good choices. I think I don't really know how to break down the difference too well. Um, Katsu makes the game harder for your opponent and harder to play. And I think Fi makes the game harder to like have control over the game and win because you draw the nuts, they just kind of get rolled over. Um, I think both look really good. Uh, I agree with Dash being super strong. Uh, personally, I would be playing Dash. I really enjoy the mech playstyle and a lot of things that that deck has to offer. Uh, and I think Dromai is kind of the obvious, probably the best deck, even though I doubt it will win this event. 
um, but like most powerful. Um, and then I think Azalea, I think I mentioned an episode or two ago, like if you are lacking in prep time, just slam the Azalea. You draw well, you're just going to kill everybody nice and easy. Why don't you think Bravo is a good choice right now? <clears throat> I just don't think the deck is very strong compared to the decks I listed. Um, I think historically it doesn't really win events ever. Yeah. That said, it is fairly consistent. And I think for something like Battleheart, just like throwing big number, blocking efficient, yeah. can get the job say, done. I think recently. I'm also just also a Bravo good. hater. Yeah, I think recently the deck has improved a lot, and we haven't been able to like see it like come into its own because the even when strong players have been playing it, they've gotten they've either won tournaments off stream or they've done really well in CC and less good in limited, like we saw at Worlds. Um, but I think some of the recent lists and kind of like the list I'm playing have kind of come into its own. Um, I think the deck is really strong uh, with some chess piece modifications. <clears throat> yeah i think it's fine it's just kind of obvious what it does it, it doesn't ask your opponent any real questions it it, do, it can get ran over it can draw poorly its power level is always known it ha only has the uh pummel play style um which is how it Wait, you... accrues real value it should lose against most good dromise it should lose against dash it then can just flip coins with a lot of other decks if they just get too much power into you too quickly, like Vi and and the other ninjas. Uh, it's just not a deck. I mean, it loses the Levy as well, uh, which should be a real deck. Yeah, 100% like, uh, just loses the uh, Kano almost every single time. Good Kano. Uh, maybe maybe good other Kano's. people maybe other like, people lose the like, Kano's and Leviathan's and Dashes and Dromai's, but I'm not gonna. You're playing. You just, you're, you're you're playing the Leviathan matchup though, and it's like their games can be so different. Like every game is like so different when Leviathan versus Bravo. Like that's one of the things that like when I've been playing Leviathan. True. If if I end up going this weekend, I'm very unlikely to go, but I I want to go. But uh, if I end up making it, I will be playing Leviathan. Um, the the Leviathan Bravo matchup, like every game is so different. You'll just like like have this like game where it's like okay you drew you came out firing early and then you put them on the back end so fast and we're gonna okay now it's a redeem now it's a redeem game or like they'll come off really strong in the early game and then you're just like well it's gonna be a short one and i'm now i'm gonna go for consumed and like like and like do i have to try to set a pitch stack to to do this you know super late game uh dominate shade and death hydra like to win or like and i i think the matchup is like you might think it's good, but like like Leviathan has ways to win every 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 facet does, of that yeah. game. It's just whether or not it, it gives it, it gives you the ability to win the matchup. I th I think the I reason the reason I feel so good. That, I was gonna say also the way that people are building Bravo currently can lose to Azalea, which is hilarious. Yeah. But like the current yeah. cards they're putting in the deck that that matchup's also not free anymore unless you're mm -hmm. willing to run enough D-Reacts to make it a real matchup. And even when you're doing that, because they have the new arm piece, uh, or they have their arm piece back from being banned, they have a lot of play patterns that can still sneak in a lot of damage. Um, so it's not as free as that matchup used to be. I just think with Bravo, you know 100% what you're doing. You have very few real decisions to make when you're ever playing the deck. Um, and because of that, it's a lot harder to find wins. You're just going to play your thing and hope that it works. 
I, I that's why say, I don't like it. The deck's strong. Yeah. Like it's strong enough, but it's just like. Eh. And you're I probably think... good enough that you can go at X and two and you know miss the cut. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> no, no, I, I trust that that he will top eight with Bravo. Yeah, I think actually, I think um, I would agree with most of the things you guys are saying. Uh, I think there are some things that I'm going to be doing differently than other people um, that will help me have a little more agency. Like the, the Lavalia Bravo matchup, kind of like Pat said, that there's so many like different games that, that can be played. I've been playing that matchup kind of just like nonstop for the past week against a few different people. Um, I feel pretty good on both sides, actually. I, I think... I mean, you know, skill matchup's kind of a weird term to put it, but I feel like there's a lot of experience-based misplays that either player can make, and I feel like I'm not going to make any of them. And uh, no matter who my opponent is, they'll probably make some of them. Um, I just I feel really good about picking my spots and understanding how to how to pivot and how to you know stay on the front foot and you know pivot off the back foot and things like that. I think there's a lot of uh, interesting play in that matchup, especially from the Bravo side, that goes beyond what most people will do in the matchup where there are no heuristics. I think in the matchup is, is the big thing. There's no like rules that the Bravo can follow every game and, and have the same win percentage, like whether to block three or swing hammer is a big deal or whether to block two or swing hammer, or, you know, am I dominating crippling this turn? Am I tunicking to crippling this turn? You know, am I making them have it with flesh bag, things like that. There's a lot of like small decisions that are, you can't just say, yeah, you all you never dominate crippling, or you all you you never play starstruck, or you always play starstruck. You always block out as much as you can, or all these things. Um, that I think from what I've seen from most Bravos that play the matchup, they stick to their heuristics, uh, even if there aren't any that work every time. Uh, and then into Azalea, I won't give away too much, but uh, I I I really like that matchup. I think it's a lot of fun. I get to go raw. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Well, to be fair, you're not going to play any Levias. Like, that's just a must thing for yeah, I mean, right now. I don't know. Ethan's not going, and I, yeah. I'm probably not going. So. Yeah, then I feel yeah, I feel great. There's been, like, no real adoption of that deck. So, I mean, that's not a real sticking point on why I mean, we should or I, shouldn't I, play I do the deck, think in my opinion. That, I do think that it is probably one of the best decks in the current meta. Like, it's very good like, into, like, Dromai. It's very good into, like, Pretty good into Azalea. I mean, uh, you can lose that matchup, but Husk is so huge in that matchup, matchup and so is Fleshbag. Um, and the new version of the, the build is just, like, quite strong. Um, like, you're bad against some of the ninjas, maybe, but, like, you can and still win those games. It's not impossible. Um, um, I don't know. I, I, I really think that uh, after Ethan, like, kind of did so well with it at the, the 20k, I, I thought that maybe people might start taking it more seriously and you might see some stronger players picking it up. Um, but I think only will. time will tell, but I do De- think that the deck's too hard to play. It is very hard to play. Yeah, I, I will, and it's I will, so unpleasant yeah. and painful. Like, yeah. yeah. And then you sometimes like you play and perfect you and the away. deck just loses the game yeah. for you. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, Scavskins is I like think you guys uh, always surprised. a very annoying card to have to deal with as well. But like the card is just like, you know, I don't know. I, I I will just roll it every time and just you know accept the one whenever it comes. We we but, know Pat. We we know you like rolling. I, no, I I'm just saying like in general. Like I, yes, I mean I memed I memed it a lot like like earlier, but like it. I have played the deck a lot more since the last time I've talked about Scavskins, and like yeah, it does ebb and flow. Like you you do eventually even out, and like 
but I can only imagine Ethan's feeling of the card because he's been playing it for God knows how long, much longer than everybody we else. We don't need to but imagine. The, he hates it. It's so it's so <laughs> it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding to like uh, like f- figure out these like hard spots that you're in and, and like win a game that mm-hmm. you like probably shouldn't have won and then you're like oh yeah. i stole that one and I, don't know, I really i really enjoy the heroes so. no yeah. i think the hero is very good i think it's way harder to play than people think it is and it's also very hard to navigate the deck in a way so the deck doesn't beat you um and that's like half the gameplay and it takes a lot of time and experience uh in doing yeah. however I, with I that think, said i think I you think should I, be playing dash this weekend dash yeah mm-hmm. i think you should be playing dash this weekend i think i think it's time i think it's very good uh, I mm-hmm. think it's very balanced and it has multiple decisions. No one knows what version you're playing when you sit down to play it That's as well. That's the best part, yeah. Um, and then you have game plans for everything that are vastly different. And then it has, you know, pretty one-sided matchups or pretty close matchups. There's, no, there's, you know, probably the worst ones like Azalea. It's probably the worst matchup for Dash. Pretty yeah, Azalea is garbage. Uh, Brute. That's Brute's a... per- Brute can be pretty hard as well. Yeah. But I think that deck is very good. Very <laughs> You know, middle of the road, but it does broken things. Yeah. Does the does the format change at all after the uh, the Kano victory um, in Florida? Um, like, no, will everyone forgot. Adapt? Everybody already forgot. I, okay. Everyone already I, forgot. I, already I, forgot. I, I, I really, I'm Anyone? really hoping to see like the resurgence of just like everybody, just like, all right, put some AB back in our deck. We're 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 aware of the 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 problem. We're willing to donate the sideboard slots now to it and. <laughs> Put, we'll put two two oasises in and put an extra piece of null rune and it'd be like okay mm-hmm. but that's what i mean like, like people are you exactly willing to that. make that sacrifice to your sideboard to, to include those cards in your deck yeah why would you put if i was going to the battle hard in your deck yeah <laughs> i would play, i'd play uh but i would also i don't think i think playing katsu is also pretty good as well and then you should, or do you just play Azalea? Like those th- are the three decks that, in my opinion, you should be playing. I think I, I, yeah. I, I think if I, if I was going, Battle, I'd bring I'd Azalea. Levi. Yeah, if I wasn't playing Levi, I'd be playing Azalea, and if I wasn't playing one of those three decks, I just wouldn't come. And you I just hope that. to never see an Azalea mirror because that thing is garbage. Yeah, the Azalea. Yeah, I love the Azalea mirror. I'm so enjoyable. Like you already, you already take this yeah, hero yeah, that's yeah. like. <laughs> so inconsistent and then you're like take take the mirror match on top of that so dude i i love speaking of azalea i just let's talk about (laughs) let's talk about good transition cody the main topic for today (laughs) which is the azalea problem uh and i want to give kind of an idea what i'm referring to here and then hear your guys idea on this um so thinking of the fact that the way azalea is being played and meant to be played apparently, is as a on-hit, lockdown, all-in type hero, uh, where its ability is it's going to have massive amounts of on-hits to gain additional value. It is going to try and do that through using dominate attacks. And while doing this, it's going to limit what your opponent's actual actions are that they can play on a turn-by-turn basis. Its weakness is supposed to be that it is inconsistent, that it can be stopped with D-Reacts, or... Uh, that the deck itself uh, cannot block properly. So with these ideas, do you think that currently Azalea is a problem for the game? Do you think the design is overtuned, Or do you think it's fair and decks, uh, people just aren't respecting the deck enough? 
Um, I don't. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I think Azalea is not a problem for a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, I think the deck is actually pretty challenging to play. Um, I think a lot of games obviously play themselves where it's, wow, I have three pumps and an uh, arrow, and then they died. Um, but uh, a lot of the multiple arrow or multiple pump hands, there's a lot of interesting play with Snapdragons and Bullseyes and Rain and Knock. I think that there's a lot more to the deck than meets the eye. Um, I really enjoy playing Azalea for that reason. Uh, we see certain players like Levi and Brody do much better than... I mean, really, you see, there's only a few people that consistently do well with the deck, and typically that's a sign that the deck is difficult, uh, or at least requires a lot of experience to be able to play properly, which I think makes a deck less of a problem inherently. If a lot of people aren't playing it, and the few people that are playing it have been playing it for a while, and that's why they're doing well, I think that's fine. Uh, I also think that the deck is more consistent than people realize. Um, the Dominate effect off the top is a bit of a high roll sometimes, and you know, how many codexes and knocks you draw into aggressive decks can be a bit of a high roll, but I think it's less inconsistent and more just has the ability to have these really swingy games. Um, the D-React problem, uh, also where she she's weak to D-Reacts, I don't think is like a huge uh, thing against her with the exception of fatigue decks that have a lot of D-Reacts, then that, that becomes a problem. I think the, the big thing that I would say about Azalea that I don't like is her ability to just roll some games uh, without requiring the loss of consistency. Um, she is a little inconsistent at times. You can you know, not draw arrows. But if you play enough games, you find that typically the deck plays almost every, if not every turn. Uh, but the games against like Ninjas or Dash, where nothing interesting happens and it's just pump, 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 red, pump, 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 remorseless, pump knock red you can't block eight you die like that kind of stuff can be really unfortunate for the game um because any any game where one player is playing and the other isn't is obviously a bit of a problem we've seen that in the past with things like starvo just you know not letting your opponent play at all is pretty boring um but i think especially with the current meta with decks like dromai and bravo uh creating a lot more interesting games where azalea can really like flex her for lack of a better way of saying it, just cool muscles where she has a lot of really interesting play with Death Dealer and Codex. And, uh, you know, you can play these cool tech cards like Memorial Ground or Fate Foreseen is like a really interesting card in that deck, I think. Um, and so I, I don't think that she's too boring or too uninteractive for the game. But I could see in the future if more decks like, uh, you know, Ninjas and Dash become prevalent where she just kind of is the only thing that you can do to beat those decks and that can be pretty uninteresting because those games are boring as all hell so i just want to reiterate then so consistency isn't as big of a deal as people think it is the deck is mm -hmm. consistent enough that's what you're saying uh, -huh. uh you're yep. saying that uh random d reacts in decks that aren't like bravo or maybe drill my aren't really uh too hard for the deck to overcome yeah um and it still has play into bravo and drill my uh, and then for play. the aggro decks like like Dash and Katsu and Phi, it's able to flex all of its muscles into that 
deck and do what it's supposed yeah. to do, which is not allowed it to play. So yeah. I'll reiterate, is this deck a problem if it doesn't have weaknesses and is immensely strong in the current meta? Well, I, I, I think no. the, the blocking thing is a real weakness. Like the yeah. way you beat this deck is you're a deck that can time walk one Azalea turn with your Carrion Husk. And in the meantime, you've gotten their health total to a range where they are blocking with cards. I think that is the truest weakness the deck has. Um, if consistency isn't an issue, then yeah, the deck probably is a problem. And I think if 50% of the field played this deck, it wouldn't be very fun. Um, so is the reason it's not a problem because it's lower played? I mean, Lucas, I that kind should of never be like... the answer, but yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I think it depends. I mean, like, yeah. It, it's low play is Fine. I'm just saying, I how do you how do you, how do you yeah. beat the deck as Dash Katsu or Fi? Like, how do you beat the deck? That's as any of that's the problem is if 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 your definition of a problem is if that being the answer is is the issue, right? Yeah, yeah. Like even Warmongers yeah, doesn't. She do just it. has really good. Mission. I mean, Warmongers can do it. It just she has answers to Warmongers too. Like, like you, I, <laughs> I, I remember playing. I played two Warmongers in our Dromai deck specifically because we wanted to have better matchup into Azalea. And then you just like, and they just go, you know, E-Strike Arrow and they just, you just like wasted your whole turn. Like, it was just like, you know, the, I, I'll say, I'll say that the deck certainly has some negative play experiences on the other side of it. Like you certainly can, if you're playing a deck like, or Katsu or somebody that wants to go multiple chains links long to make any value for their turn, like those decks might have a bad time. Like, like especially if you're a newer player um, and you're just, you just see red in the ledger and you're just like, oh, okay, I just don't get to play and I'm not having fun and I'm going to stop playing the game. Like, I think that it's not as bad as like Starvo was like bad, like where you're discarding cards and you're not even actually getting a turn at all basically because you had to you know block or discard your hand um but it's a little bit of a different angle um on that aspect but the the thing that i will say is that she she's at a point where right now like you can you can get under her like some point like the one action per turn like certain decks like bravo and you know Leviah can just like, okay, well, if this turn I'm going to get hit, I can at least send one big attack at you that you're never going to block. You're always just going to take the damage and you're taking raw damage to the face because Azalea never blocks. So you like the game becomes like a way where you like, even when you do get hit, you still have to, you know, just put a little bit back into her, just like a little bit. And then on the turns when she doesn't dominate you, which because of the like, inconsistency issues she has, you can just block, like, 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 make her have it on the turns that she needs to have it, and then on the turns when she does have it, do as much back as you can, and it, it has the ability to. And people with good armor, like, and D reacts can like at least play. So, I don't know. D reacts should be good against her. So, in theory, <laughs> and I do think oh, this is good. why I got warmongers because those decks don't need help and they don't really play warmongers all that well. Where like the ninja, this is like your only hope. Like maybe this one card will win this time, which isn't fun either. Like nobody wants that. I, I mean, yeah, like like warmongers yeah, is like the, like the perfect answer for, for ninja because it's like it's a card that you're ecstatic to put in your deck because it's a blue zero that turns on your kadachis and you know. I'm not ecstatic at all. I don't want to play that card in my deck. You would not play that card in your ninja deck. I don't want to. I feel like I have to for some matchups. 
Mm-hmm. I'd rather just have a zero for two attack still and not play a card that sometimes says do nothing. It still pitches to do your other turns though. Like, I don't know, like that's that's the game we're playing. That's the flesh and blood that the you've agreed to play. Like sometimes cards in your deck are mostly gonna be pitched, but like some like some scenarios that they get cast like so like this is what you've signed up for if you're playing a game like this mm-hmm. so, like where you I don't think you played enough ninja <laughs> I mean I guess that's fair you just but, play all the cards every turn I don't know sometimes <laughs> you gotta pitch cards so so my my thing there's is a, I mean there's an opportunity I think, to the card that's really powerful I think warmongers is a little overblown on how good it is mm-hmm. uh, due to the fact that the deck currently runs rabble e-strike and can load an arrow these arrows have relevant on hits so without even pumping uh you are able to rabble you can then swing an arrow you can still have a two turn uh even just throwing an arrow uh, for five that has a relevant on hit whether it's plus two damage whether it's um you don't have an action whether uh it's you have to pay life now for every action you take whatever the actual on hit effect is this is still then asking you to block again or give them five uh, three points of damage. I think the actual power behind Azalea has nothing to do with Dominate. Dominate is how it attempts to win fatigue matches. I think the power in Azalea comes from its ability to play things like Rabble, which are unblockable, most of the time, zero for four go-again attacks. You cannot spend ever any cards on blocking a Rabble. That does free damage. Um, then their ability to play Bolton Shots uh, without having to have used their a weapon yet, their bow, means that you basically can't block the Bolton shot, so they get a bunch of free damage that way. Uh, then the secondary is because you have to save it for the arrow. Against aggro decks, they have essentially six arrows that say you can't play the game. Those are Red in the Ledger, along with uh, the Remorseless. Both of these arrows are too high value uh, into the aggro decks to be played, and Azalea's ability to play off of a two- or three-card hand, assuming it has a Arsenal is much better than a lot of people think it is, um, especially if it has like an arrow set. Yeah. It can use boots. It just needs to be able to escape from these bad turns a couple of times and now has its gloves back. So even when you get it to block, get the deck to block, it doesn't mean that its turn isn't threatening enough and the arrows have relevant on hits already, which asks for cards for minimal amount of their cards that they're sitting at you. Uh, I think this causes some problems with Azalea and the fact that Azalea can beat Dromai. Um, pretty consistently like it's not a good matchup by any means for azalea like that matchup can just go either direction pretty quickly um and depending on who you talk to will say like which one's favored uh but it can win that it can play that matchup that's like a real matchup it can just play uh and then the the bravo is playable i think a properly built bravo deck it shouldn't win but most of these bravo decks aren't running big d reacts anymore because they're trying to hedge for other matchups which means that fatigue isn't a real option um, there. However, them throwing a big attack at you is still pretty strong. I will say, I think Azalea is is significantly overtuned. I don't know any other decks that can push 11 plus damage in a round with three on hits. I think that's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, because every single pump is not three. So it's paying a card, instead of the pump just being three, the pump is like five or six, depending on what the actual on hit effect is. Uh, and it has a momentum that gaps people. Uh, if you give, if they come in with 12 damage, 13 damage, 11 damage, and you have to give them your whole hand, 
you're just giving them an entire another turn to find a dominate or find a way for you not to be able to interact with them, uh, which is more dangerous than it is against other decks that maybe that was their big turn and you're like, oh, this is their big turn. This is Art of War turn or whatever it is. Let me give you my whole grip so that, you know, next turn I can play the game. Well, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. And then on top of that, they have Codex, uh, which becomes a problem. Uh, I am I liked how this turned out because I'm very much in the camp that I think Azalea is a real problem for the de- for the game. I think any aggro deck has no agency or any ability to play the game. It can't even sideboard properly to make the matchup playable. You're still at the mercy of whatever yeah. they draw and whatever arrows they throw at you. You're just sitting there waiting and hoping you get out of the box eventually so that you can like punch them. Now, if you get out of the box and punch them, you can probably win the game. Like that's always been the case for Azalea, but you have no agency or control or decisions that get you out of that. And a lot of decisions that punish you even harder, especially if you're running two blocks, like it's just nothing you can do there. And then it's worst matchups. Uh, and it has playability. Uh, I, I think this push of Azalea from a deck that was a joke to a deck that has the best on hits in the game, the best pumps in the game, the most draw in the game, uh, along with uh, the best card in the game, which is Codex is causing some problems. Uh, and I think that the only reason the it's not being spoken about more is because not enough people are playing the deck. I think if you go to locals and I uh, more often and you, most locals have an, have experienced a one or two Azalea problem where they have to deal with Azalea every, every week. And it's a um, bit of an unfun experience, especially for newer players. But then if we were going to actual massive tournaments that had 10, 15% Azalea show up, there isn't a way to build a deck to play against it. You cannot make your aggro deck beat the deck. You just can't play yeah, three those decks at tournaments anymore. Doesn't make That's why I stopped playing five. Make it much better. That was like a big reason. And, and it's hard combo. It's hard. Supposedly hard counters are no longer hard counters because it got its glove back. I think yeah. this deck think... is just underrepresented, and that's why people are not thinking it's a problem. Yeah. I think we... Why are we, we not should... playing at the Battle Harden then? You should be. I'm not. But you, you said, you said you're playing, playing Dash. No, I said I was playing Azalea. But I think you should. People should play Dash. I think Wait, Dash yeah. is good. Um, Why should people so, play Dash if you're playing Azalea? <coughs> because not everyone's just going to play Azalea. Hard, apparently, it's too hard to play. Yeah, but you okay, should play Azalea. Okay, okay. And then you should yeah, grind out the after, matchup so you know how to play that matchup because the matchup's hard. Yeah. Sure. After heavy hitters, I want to I take a look at it. I think that there's some potential for heavy hitters to make Azalea worse with new Bravo and also. Uh, mid-rangey warriors that have a lot of armor and force you to block can, if built in a way to beat Azalea, can be a problem. Like, if you have... Because they also have things like Steel Blade Shunt. If you have, like, Shunts and more Dereax and, you know, roughly 87 block on your armor, and you have, you know, these really powerful two-card hands, as well as hands that can punish Azalea for whiffing and having, like, five-card hands... Um, I think we could see her get worse after this set, um, but I agree. I think if she stays as good as she is and more people play her post-heavy hitters, then we could see a problem because there is a uh, lot I of... Just, I, I, I realize Cody feels really strongly really strongly about this, and I, 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 I know that, that I've you know talked to Cody at events and just been very frustrated every time he plays against Azalea. Um, and I, I realize that... that it's not all anecdotal. You're making great points. Like, and it's, you know, she should not be the best deck, but like when you, when you like look at what she was like, and like, she was just like, you know, terrible garbage, like, and people were like, well, 
Azalea needs help, and like think this is like this is what what their attempt was. So like like LSS was like hearing from everybody. Oh, we want Azalea to be good. We want Azalea to be good, and like like you got what you wish for. It's like I mean like what are they what are they supposed to do? Like I mean like careful. Maybe this just not print Codex. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Codex. Maybe Codex take that of frailty, away. Codex of Frailty was you know I don't know. And it's a card that has been you know. It's not even the best Codex. Like we we like, all call for it to be. It, it is. Get out of here. Don't, don't. No, no, yeah. no. Um, no you don't but like, understand. we had people, you know, complaining about that card in, in Bolt and Shot together, you know, in, in Lexi, and it was the same same type of deal. Like, but Lexi was a whole different monster. But you could actually, you know, play against Lexi, like, because Lexi wasn't dominating her attacks, you know, so, you know, it, and she didn't have, like, Time Walk Arrow. <laughs> so. You know, but well, my my other know. issue is just that you can't set up to buy a turn because they have on hits that just wipe your arsenal. So if you're like, hey, I'm gonna take damage this round, and then I'm gonna keep a I'm gonna keep a D react for my next time, and I'm gonna keep a blue to pay for my blood rot pox, and I'll just block because you dominated. Boom, it's fine. But half the like half the time they're hitting you with something that's just like, and you don't get an arsenal. So like you can't even make a plan for later in the game to buy yourself a turn. It's uh my issue is not with like it's overall power level. I think its power level is actually fine. My issue with it is there's no way to actually counterplay the deck as an aggro deck. Zero. You cannot build your yeah, deck in a way boring. to play the game. It's also completely dependent on Azalea to allow you to play the game because they missed. We also haven't mentioned the new card yet that like counters the current counter strategy, which is blocking well and throwing a big attack. Like Now you only get one card, so... Have fun swinging your weapon. Yeah, yeah but judge, you get judge one judge copy of that card, we'll and it has to have an aim counter, and, and like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. like I that, card's that card good, to me but... is like barbed undertow, barbed undertow number four. Like, like most of the time, in my opinion, I think it's I think it's barbed. I think it's barbed. That card is terrifying. Barbed under barbed undertow is two through four. You will certainly play it in your deck. You certainly will play it in your deck because you can get it with knock the death whistle Prob- and like, you know, it will be oh, good. Probably like, it'll certainly be warranting a slot in your deck, but like a lot of the times it will be the exact same effect as, as barbed undertow against a lot of big decks like Leviah guardian, yeah. things like that. I think yeah. and barbed undertow is not played in the deck most of the time. I think an additional issue here is just that Azalea is actually really easy to beat. You just got to shove enough D-Reacts in there and have enough things to actually try and fatigue. The issue is because of what people want to (laughs) do. No, you can't. You just lose a bunch of other matchups by doing that because it requires so many cards in order to do that. If you if you want to play like if the, the funny thing is, is I don't think it's possible that Azalea could get to a level where it was 20-something percent of the meta. It's too easy to beat with, like, a fatigue deck. Like, uh, it, and then you just, like, pure out fatigue it, and you're just like, I'm putting all my armor in, I'm putting all the D-Reacts in. Like, yes, you can still lose, but you're going to win that a lot of the time. I I know I did it at, you know, a calling when I played Bravo. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that, so you'll never see it get to that percentage. So now it's in a weird spot where it's like, what? If, if you just run into this as the aggro deck, you just, like, take an auto loss. If you run it like it's just like another deck that because there is no counter play for it as the aggro as any aggro deck, uh, you're at the mercy of whatever happens that you're just gym lucking that you don't run into it. Uh, because if it ever got big enough, it would get kiboshed by defensive decks. So it's in this like weird loophole where you're just hoping you never run into it. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I hope I, I never uh, run into it. I hope I never run into <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to the, run the, into you're it. Right, though, about personally. The, <laughs> it, it, I mean, I don't know. The deck, the deck certainly is not played enough where, where it's going to be hard countered, basically. Like, you mm-hmm. know... I don't know, but we really haven't like so like for example like when starvo was like super big like every deck was shoving unmovable in their deck everybody was shoving unmovable in their deck right but like that's because starvo was like so so strong so are you saying that like that needs to happen like people need to just be putting unmovable in their deck so they can beat azalea or, or, like... no there's no solution and not that can support that i'm just saying there isn't a solution to the problem which is you better just not run into azalea in swiss just don't do it like that's yeah, all that of- that is to recontextualize the conversation that is my azalea problem it is a deck that you just have to not run into in order to top an event yeah. and i've been spending this whole time trying to figure out like an aggro plan and every single plan i've come up with invo- involves the word hope which is not where you want to be i do hope that after uh this next set there are more decks that can combat um her so it's not very much an wager seems good and it's more of a risk uh to running it but i think the deck is absolutely clash um as of its position right now and people should be playing azalea i think it is very 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 strong it's it's way pushed that like no one is talking about is my opinion yeah it just does things that we shouldn't be allowed to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it, it just can't ever be the most popular deck because it has an inherent weakness um, but I think people will be surprised. I think the new, the new age of playing Azalea is playing, it, it plays its own D-Reacts. Uh, it also sometimes plays Sigil now as well, uh, giving it more room, uh, to find its big arrows. Also giving it uh, the ability to play off smaller hands. Cause it is significantly better at playing off smaller hands now than it was previously. And if people put more reps into that, they will find that uh, an Azalea with a two-card or a three-card hand is, like, just as scary as a five-card hand because uh, its efficiency annoying. is ridiculous. And its on-hits are just way above rate. Cool. Do, anything else on my... Uh, yeah, I think Death Dealer is... Your, your rant? No, no. Death Dealer draw a card is too good. Tunic Death Dealer draw card is also very strong, but that is Death always in general. Thing. Every time it's activated, I'm like, this card is so broken. Like, how is this a thing? And it's weird because I agree that it doesn't, from the onset, feel like it should be broken because it's like, oh, it can only use its boots once. Oh, it can only use its gloves once. But that's like enough. If you like spend enough time playing the Azalea, you realize that there's just like only a couple of rounds where like things have gone wrong, and you need to be able to you know throw something out there to to mess with your opponent and like. Oh look, I have tools to do that. They're just over here on the side. I guess I'll I guess I'll finally use my armor that Starts I starts in play, sits in play. Yes. Yeah, the, the um, addition but to if I of was to the playing deck. Bravo, I'd play D Reacts. Big D Reacts. I would play Staunches in my Bravo. Because you should play it for the mirror no, the, as well. The, but that's a whole other argument. That's that's coward. Cowardly. Cowardly Bravo player over here. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, let's jump over, unless anyone has anything else in the Azalea train. I just think it needs to be watched, because it is it can be a problem moving forward. Um, so, we have some Discord questions, a couple Discord questions. Um, this is a follow-up question. 
um, from Sketchy Man and White Van. Uh, from the last week's topic, which was food routines at events. Uh, and it's asking, how do we actually get the healthy food mm-hmm. or get the food in general when we're traveling for tournaments? Are we making grocery uh, trips? Are we using DoorDash? Um, or are we bringing it with us? So how do you organize actually having yeah, uh, you know, everything you need for a major when you're flying out to another event? I have so a spreadsheet. The and best way to do it. Anything. Oh. Go ahead, Dan. You okay. Lucas can be quiet was... for a little bit. <laughs> I have a, a spreadsheet and a list um, of optimally all the food that I will have available uh, for the week, uh, mostly for what I'll be eating before the tournament and then between rounds. After the tournament, I'll attempt to eat with the team and get whatever fits, whatever my diet plan is, if I can. Um, but yeah, basically, if I can bring some of those things with me, I do that. Things like uh, protein bars, that kind of thing. Uh, nuts, I'll fly with those in my bag. Um, things like, I don't know, salad, blueberries, eggs. However I have to get it, I'll figure it out. Um, worst case, you should always be able to get it delivered to you by paying a little bit of a premium. Uh, Uber Eats, Instacart, whatever. Um, it should be doable. Um, or if you can somehow... <coughs> walk or uber to a grocery store if you prefer that you can do it that way so i wasn't on yeah, the, the best way last to do one it. Where, where we actually but i just don't eat Me most neither, of the time yeah. at most events like yeah like i i will usually just i mean unless, <clears throat> unless somebody like dan or charles hands me something i will typically have not eaten anything for mm-hmm. the entire event and just force myself to to get through it um i've actually find that sometimes that eating can actually like bog me down and like cause me to fatigue more um so i i will be very careful about eating during a tournament um it ha- doesn't always happen but it has i have had it happen in, in the past um where i regretted like eating in the middle of the tournament so um that's not the best answer for this person who's trying to answer it, but um, I don't think I, I'm very well equipped to answer this question. So, yeah, it's okay. I, I think also don't ultimately, the event, but I like to make sure that I have drinks and whatnot for the morning or you know around the event, and that's typically mm-hmm. just like if we're having a team house or something, we just make an order. What do you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's what we're having mm-hmm. for breakfast. Who wants this stuff? Who wants coffee? Who wants etc.? And then we just you know order it. Uh, and sit there, but I'm in the same boat. I don't, if I eat during an event, then I get tired. I don't, it's always been that way. No matter what I eat, yeah. I just eat something and it's like, ah, I sleep now. Yeah. I think everyone has like different requirements. I've talked to a lot of people who, who always eat a lot of people who never eat, but figure out what is best for you. And then if you do eat, like you sh- whatever you're going to plan, end up doing, you should do it. Like you should figure it out before the event. Like, Going the whole nine yards and doing Dan's like spreadsheet thing is a lot for some people, but like I know my plan is always uh, like when I get there, I if I get in early enough, I go to a grocery store because it's typically cheaper, um, and you can uh, like walk around and, and choose like what all you want for the weekend. Uh, I will say I think I've had a DoorDash order the last like six or seven events I've gone to uh, because that never works out. Uh, part of that is is like Brody's fault, um, and part of that is is my dad's fault. But uh, I mean, like, figure out what's best for you. If that is eating, like, just make sure you have a plan. You know, 
if you're like my personal thing is I sometimes like to eat like I don't eat every time I go to an event but I always have like multiple granola bars in my bag uh, usually if I'm gonna go to a top cut I, I need to eat in between like I can usually get through seven rounds and I have enough energy and I don't want to eat because it will bog me down but then after that like I need food like at the um, at the Battle Hard in Barcelona um, Charles's sister actually uh, brought me a sandwich and that like won me the battle hardened on the spot. Like it was, it was over once I had that sandwich. Um, <laughs> like I, I've had a few, uh, I've had a few ham sandwiches like before, during and on stream in some situations in top cut scenarios and it saves me, but like whatever you need, like if, if you think you're somebody who might want to eat at some point, just make sure you have some food. Like if, if that's a granola bar, if that's a sandwich, water, like whatever, whatever you need, make sure you have it ahead of time. Cause being the guy that's like scrambling to find food for your 20 minute break between round six and seven is just not a good situation to be in. Cool. Okay. The next question here from uh, fighting Walloon is in some games going second is a huge advantage. For instance, aggro mirrors. If you lose the die roll in those situations, are there things you can do in sideboarding or your game plan to improve your win percentage? Um, I would say this is pretty specific, you know, depending on what the actual deck is, if you can do something or not. Uh, but mm -hmm. in general, I think there are um, a lot of things that you can do. But um, Pat, if you want to start us off with some ideas on what you try and do when you get the opposite of what you want to start with. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that really uh, intrigued me about Flesh and Blood is like the, the dice roll and like going first versus going second, because like. I remember like literally my first event and like the conversation was being had everywhere. Everybody's question, do you go first? Do you go second? Like, like, and, and just one of the best things about flesh and blood that, that it's, that's not a problem in this game. In my opinion, like I don't think the dice roll of who goes first is a problem in this game. Um, that being said, when you're talking about aggro mirrors and like when, it, when it is like there is an advantage to be gained, like, and there, there certainly will be a correct answer almost every time. Um, it's just whether or not you are, have already figured this out ahead of time. Um, but once you actually get there, like you can have like different equipment, like, like can pick a different equipment. So like, I know that, um, whenever we're doing dromai testing, like a lot of times based on whether we're going first or second, we would present a different headpiece into certain matchups. Um, uh, things like that, um, which is a relatively easy thing that you can do that doesn't take much, um, out of your actual sideboarding slots. Um, I'll, I'll say that that's one that's pretty frequent for me. Um, but like in certain spots, like you might bring in more D reacts. I, I, I tend to like have like a little bit more, um, my tendency is to want to keep, you know, a clean list of whether going first or second, um, where I'm, I'm sideboarding the same most times, but it is something that we talk about, um, when preparing for events and things like that. Um, but I would say that, that in my opinion, that like any, any of any advantage that your opponent gains from going second can be overcome in, in a lot of, a lot of positions just because of the way the game's designed. Dan. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. I actually have a few examples of where I have uh, changed. Short answer, I, I would say yes. There's plenty of things you can do uh, if you lose the die roll to, to compensate. Um, yeah, like Cody said, it's like 
very contextual based on the deck you're playing, the deck they're playing. Um, I think like Pat said, equipment's the most common case. Um, especially think about like against wizards, right? If you're going uh, first, maybe you don't pack as much arcane barrier. If you're going second, maybe you do. So they can't just get four free chip damage on the first turn, right? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I, it's hard to answer just because there's so many. It's so dependent on the situation, but there's certainly card, cards you could add to the deck too, like D-Reacts or um, I think of things like uh, when Fi was pop- very popular, um, one way to kind of compensate for going first in that matchup was to play like Breaking Point because <coughs> um, ideally you're just getting that arsenal and then you're kind of mitigating the first card they set, ideally, uh, to try and get back advantage. If they happen to high roll into... Breaking point in the first four cards are kind of screwed, but it is what it is. Okay, Lucas, you can you can talk now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there are a few examples that I have of where I have changed my sideboarding. Uh, usually, it's you play a few games and then you figure out like the texture of the game, and this is most prevalent in aggro mirrors. But you figure out how many turns it goes, and usually like how many times you arsenal. Um, one, there are a lot of examples. So, for example, when I go first it, and I'm playing Bravo, a lot of the times I like to play one Pulverize so that if I draw Showtime or Imposing Visage, I can heave a Pulverize on turn zero. Whereas if I go second, it's pretty unlikely that I'm ever going to make that play and Pulverize is much weaker and I won't play it. Or if I'm playing Leviah, I might play Gambler's Gloves when I'm going second because I can't block as much and mitigate the risk of Scabskins. Or if I'm playing uh, like a Fymir, I used to play Command and Conquer, uh, but only when I would go second. Um, you know, you can debate whether or not that's correct, but I would play it going second because a lot of the times in the Fymir, I would find that neither player would arsenal for most of the game except on turn zero. Um, and so if I was going second, Command and Conquer was pretty much always going to be live at some point in the game, whereas if I went first, a lot of the time, especially if they didn't draw Art of War, they would just never arsenal a card, so it would be dead. Um, and then, like you said, the draw my thing, and, you know, there's some with Prism and, and all these different things. Um but I think ultimately it's about game texture and how many turns it's going to be and where you find certain cards being good. And sometimes you want them because they're good going first. Sometimes you want them because they're good going second. Um, but I think that you should always be cognizant of first versus second when you're sideboarding, uh, especially with a couple cards in, in different decks and certain matchups because it really does like really change how effective certain cards can be uh, who goes first. Yeah, I'll give you some generic advice for mirrors. For aggro mirrors, when you are getting stuck going first, you want to bring in defense cards. Um, because of the way the game works, uh, the secondary player who's going second gets to press damage first. And typically in an aggro race, whoever forces your opponent to block first ends up winning the game. So the health total up for going second uh, or disrupt is usually enough that you get like half a turn ahead of the person who's going first, which is why you typically want to go second as an aggro deck. Because of that, uh, if you're stuck going first, that's when you take a couple of D-Reacts and throw them in your deck because you need a catch-up mechanic uh, in your deck to allow yourself to be able to block um, so that your health doesn't drop too fast so that you can turn around the pressure. Uh, also, if you're in the mirror, uh, if there's a way for you to get some... Typically, the number is like three damage on round one. It actually neutralizes to go second in a lot of cases. In a lot of matchups, the sweet spot's like three damage. If you can stick three damage on round one while getting a set card, you still have to have your set card, uh, which is important, which is kind of hard to do. Uh, that typically neutralizes going second um, in most 
most matchups. So that is, you know, generic assistance um, if you happen to have to go first in an aggro match. Uh, other than that, you're just hoping that you drop it at them because aggro match mirrors, there's nothing else you could do other than I typically want to throw in a couple of D-Reacts and try and get some damage on round one if possible. And sometimes it's better to go first in aggro mirrors because you scale based on number of cards usually. So if your first hand is just like nuts, like you might just bury them. You're um, also the first person to have a five card hand as well. That's what so I'm like, saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it just has to, it has to be higher than whatever unblocked damage they put in on their first turn by yeah. a significant margin in order to catch up uh, to not be the first person to have to start. <clears throat> yep. That's kind of. I just cool. want to reiterate what Lucas said at the end really quick. Uh, just make sure when you're sideboarding, after you find out if you're first or second, just think about if there's any impact to your sideboarding decisions. I feel like a lot of people don't. And they're kind of assumed they're like, no, what I, my plan just stays anyway. Just make sure you take that second to like Some think about it. Like even, now that you know you're first or second, like does anything yeah. actually change? Some people don't even like know, or they'll just like roll after sideboarding. Like I've met some people who don't even realize yeah, don't that, do that you're supposed to roll before. Like there, there are some people who I've met yeah. that'll, that'll yeah, like finish sideboarding and then they're like roll. And I'm like, I just got my deck box out. Like, of course we're going to roll, but I haven't sideboarded yet. Like or I'm about to sideboard now. <laughs> I don't know, I played a lot of decks that it was, like, significant, that if I went first or second, the deck was different, like Viscerai. Like, back in the day, yeah. if you played Viscerai, you had to roll to know if you were putting Read the Runes in the deck or not. You'd be like, yep. oh, if I go first, Read the Runes goes in the deck. Oh, oh, go on second, take the Read the Runes out of the deck. So, um, you know, if playing a couple of those, you get in that habit. But it's, it is, I think, a spot that you can try and gain some deck building skill in that is underutilized currently in the game is first and second different boarding. I think it is, uh, especially on a local level, uh, battle hardened level. Uh, those levels, I think you can get you can get edges by having <coughs> game plans that are that minute and that, you know, that finicky. So, okay, last question we got for the podcast today is also from Fighting Walloon, which is, uh, if you look at the heroes that are revealed in in H H so far, uh, which one seems the most powerful, and which one are you most interested in testing? So out of all the heroes we have revealed, if you're looking at just the hero, because we don't really have any good cards for them yet, what do you think? I'm playing Kasai. Betsy. That's it. Kasai. Betsy. All Kasai. I'm excited time. for Betsy. I'm excited for Betsy. Uh, I realize Kasai is probably more interesting a hero, but um, she seemed like I, I love her ability in the late game. Like she seems to me like a, like a second cycle deck that like, really rewards you for like even if even if she doesn't have a weapon that's comparable to anathos like just being able to have like a three card 10 overpower like is like in the late game that's gonna be huge like if you can survive long enough to like do that like on back-to-back turns um and just like force the end of the game in that that way i i it really really excites me i'm really excited to to put her on the table and um see the rest of her card pool um now is it is it worth losing cards like crippling crush i don't know but like the fatigue player in me thinks that there's something there so i'd love to see see how she uh she goes a little bit further but she's not flashy for sure no i think i think that's a good pick though um for sure dan i think everyone but mr gold looks pretty strong well, I, I think Mr. Is it Olympia, Olympia uh, is like clearly he needs a little support. Maybe, cards. yeah, we don't we don't know what all's there. Maybe he him. is strong. I don't know, but based on just hero abilities, like I'm looking at the other three, 
Yeah, and they all seem pretty strong. Like, Brute being consistent is kind of spooky. I agree with what you said about um, Betsy. And then making your weapon attacks is free is kind of nuts. And you also can make gold or no? Does she have a gold ability? Kasai? Yeah, she makes gold off her hero ability. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she so just master gold with free weapon swings? That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> what about you, Lucas? What are you most excited about? I am excited for uh, whichever guardian ends up being more boring. Uh, ideally, not a fatigue deck. Like, whichever of the two guardians that is, like, if that ends up being Bravo, and he's just, like, same old boring, like, oh, you go dominate a crippling crush, and, like, all that. Like, oh, I love that stuff. Like, boring flesh and blood, whatever the most boring thing. It's like, KO's going to be cool to build. I'm I'm sure Kasai will be some, like, cool deck that does these really good things, and, you know, maybe... I think Olympia's actually pretty strong. I think he's, like, gone under the radar so far. Um, obviously, we have literally no cards or evidence to back that up. Um, but making a gold every turn is it seems really strong, and it seems like he can make one or maybe even more every turn. Um, or well, no, no, you can only make one a turn. But there's other stuff that can make gold. Um, you can, I think you can his synergy with generic because of the way his ability is worded. Yeah, it only triggers once a turn. No, no, it triggers whenever you win. Oh, yeah, it, it, it triggers, it, it triggers it, once per turn, but it, it, it's on every attack. It's threatening. So, like, if you're if you don't hit on your first attack, it's once that you attack. wager and you wager a second time. Yes, so I'm it, pretty it, sure it can trigger yeah. if you block the first wager out and then you wager yeah. again in the same turn. Yeah. that you also make a gold on the second attack, which is yeah. really strong. I yeah. if there's I enough to do with gold in that hero. Yeah, his specialization is also really interesting, uh, especially with um. There's a card that we got spoiled for a while ago that's uh, you can pay a gold instead of playing its cost, and then your next attack that wagers this turn gets plus three and overpower, I believe, and then whenever you would make a token this turn, you double that amount of tokens. Um, yeah, that card with the specialization seems, like, insane. Like, you give it overpower, and then you just make, like, six tokens. Like, that's really, really strong. Um, and then his ability to use generics is also interesting. Obviously, people have talked about the whole thing where you go, like, Pitch a blue, money where your mouth is, command and conquer. And then you have the zero for three attack react in hand where it's like you have this four cards and you get 12 damage, you make two golds, and you kill her arsenal. Like that's like a little, that's a little silly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want the boring guardians. That's all I actually care about. If Betsy's more boring, then I'm sure uh, I'll love Betsy. No, I think I'm definitely, Kasai, if you've been on. Uh, the Twitter at all for Fab, you have seen a lot of people popping off about Kasai being fun to play currently. I can agree. Uh, everyone wants Crown of Seeds, and we have Crown of Seeds at home. It's called Dynamo, and it is great. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we got to go. I'm going to go play some Kasai. That's where we got to go. Uh, goodbye, yeah, guys. We're getting rid of the envelope Seven here, but, um... envelope we could do here darkness. is go ahead and play the envelope. Uh, all three pitches of Envelope and Darkness.